One of the biggest concerns I'm getting a lot of questions about these days is the November election. What do I do? A lot of fear, uh, a lot of, do I do this if Trump is elected? What happens if Biden's elected? And we're going to talk about that today on the show. Also, what about travel? When we talk about retirement, one of the biggest goals I have come up over and over again is travel. And how has COVID-19 and this year impacted travel? And how about this? What if we could get to retirement and possibly pay zero taxes? The good news is we're going to talk about that with our expert interview, David McKnight, who wrote the book, The Power of Zero, who's going to help us dig into what are some practical things we can do today to work towards lowering our taxes. Now, I'm Bo Henderson, and you're listening to the Retirement Resource Show coming to you from the Rose Creek Community Center. And before we go any further, I think I would be remiss if I didn't introduce my co-host. Carl, welcome to the Retirement Resource. Bo, thank you for having me on in the midst of my six part-time unpaid jobs. It's really a pleasure to add this seventh unpaid job to the resume. <laughs> well, I appreciate you stepping up, raising your hand and volunteering to do this show. Now, one of the things you did apply to be a co-host here on this show, and I saw you very active and involved here at the Community Center. Talk a little bit about all the roles and jobs you do here. It blows my mind. Yeah, well, I mean, I've been working here at the Community Center, mostly unpaid again, for about 13 years. And uh, I mean, it's the place to be. If you're north of Atlanta and you come during the fall to see the colors or it's the heat of summer and you're going to jump in the pool or the weather's pretty nice and you want to play some pickleball, this is the place to be. And I've been really fortunate. I'm the head VCR tech uh, here, which is a big deal because a lot of VHS still happening uh, here at the community center. And then I'm I'm the backup yoga instructor. Okay, so backup yoga instructor. Let's talk a little bit about that. Is that, uh, are you teaching classes? No, 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 no. One of those unpaid positions? Yeah, yeah. For legal reasons, I need to make it very clear. And Mrs. Denise has asked me to do this repeatedly uh, to reiterate. I'm, I'm the backup, which means I'm in the room during the class, mostly observing and learning. And maybe one day if like her grandkids come, I mean, because they come sometimes but I mean, Miss Denise is amazing. At 78, her warrior pose is immaculate. So at this point, I'm really learning, waiting for my shot. So what's the big goal there, Carl? I mean, is it to literally lead the class? You just trying to be healthy? I, I don't know if I can. You trying to pick up chicks? Let's be I, honest. I'm, I mean, it, the community center is the place to be, but uh, I don't know. That sounds like a lot of pressure. I think I like the backup role, or the support system role. That's that's really my lane. So a lifelong learner. Well, and again, another thing is you applied, you just have a very diverse background. One of the things I saw was in a prior job, and you're going to have to help me flesh this out because it, it made me very curious. You were a rabbit trainer. Um, well, not exactly. I, I was, it was more, it was a bigger deal than that. I'm it's a, magi- yeah, no, I appreciate that. I'm a magician's rabbit trainer. Um, so it's very specific. I don't train any rabbits. It has to be for musicians. So like when I see the spark. Musicians or magicians? No, I'm sorry. I may have misspoke. Magicians. I was going to be impressed if you train musician rabbits. No, no, no. Those guys are roadies. I mean, scum compared to the magician (laughs) rabbit. Okay. Now the magician rabbit, once I saw the spark in that rabbit, and I was like, oh, that's a magic rabbit. Like they know what they're doing. Then I started training them on the disappearing act. But I mean, I've got a long history of learning and also leaving jobs. And so that was one of those ones where, you know, they asked me to leave. What, what happened? I mean, that sounds like a pretty good gig. 
I, it was. I kept on having the same problem. I couldn't find the rabbits. <laughs> that sounds to me like you're probably doing your job very well. So magic well. Dragons, I mean, magic rabbits. Yeah, were so well. Disappearing. Yeah, I, I just. But I can see where it'd be a problem too. And they're expensive, so I, I understand. I mean, I parted ways well with with the magician. It was, uh, okay. was there any secret to training a magic rabbit? I mean, is there like tricks of the traders that kind of pro- YouTube proprietary? No, it's all yeah. You can okay, find well, it all well that that's excellent. Yeah. Well, speaking of that, I did see when I was coming in this morning, it looked like you and Art were getting... Man, why Why we got to talk about Art? Well, I just want to make sure everything's okay. Well, I mean, right now, okay, so you're new to the community center. Like I said, I've been here about 13 years, and it, it's a big place, but it's also a small place, right? And Art's kind of the big guy on campus it's because like, he's the front desk guy. Okay. He holds all the power because he holds the book. He was very aggressive about me making sure I had a name tag. Oh, name tags are like his, like, if you don't have it on, you're not getting into one of okay. your reserved rooms. And so I'm always asking for, you know, with Miss Denise, I, I booked the room for her for the yoga. That's, again, kind of the backup role, right? I'm support. So I'm trying to get the room reserved. And Art's always giving me grief. But the problem is, I mean, Art's in his early 80s. Like, he, he he's, I mean, and you just, you think sweet, older gentleman. But Art's, I mean, he's just rough, man. Just, I'm just trying to do my job the best I can, get the video cart, get the room organized and arranged for the yoga classes, for the hot yoga, the regular, whatever they need. I, I don't even step out onto the pickleboard court, uh, pickleball courts anymore because he's just, just so aggressive. Oh, you know what it sounds like to me? It sounds like a power struggle between two alpha males here. It, it, it really is. And people don't believe me again because Art seems like he would be so sweet. Can, can I call him and show you? I'm going to reserve the room for tomorrow for the hot yoga class. I, mean, I don't want and, you guys fighting on the show, but go ahead. No, but just to, to kind of prove. All right, I'll, I'll ring uh, Art up. Here we go. Here we go. Um, hey, yeah, can I reserve room uh, 2.13 tomorrow at uh, 2.30? Is this Carl? Art, man, you, you know it's me. Of course it's me. I'm the only one who reserves a room for Miss Denise. Uh, no. See, that, that's it. Every time. Just no. I, I just... Yeah, it sounds like you guys... It's rough. Need to, need it's rough. On that. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, Carl, I'm excited you're here. I love that I have such a renaissance man here and a curious person. Well, and I'm so excited, Bo, because I mean, I'd listened to a couple of the radio shows that you'd had before. I'd read a couple of the books and I was like, oh, this is going to be the new big guy on campus (laughs) and maybe help the power struggle between me and Art and I'd learn some stuff about retirement. Oh, very good. And so so we're talking about maybe forming a community center gang. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's us against the world. Uh, You know, okay. Well, let's do In the News. Our first article today, majority of workers expect their retirement to include jobs. Survey shows by Sarah O'Brien from CNBC. For many workers, a traditional retirement is not part of their plans. Among baby boomers still in the workforce, 59% expect to keep working into retirement. A new study from Voya Financial shows for Generation X, that share is 60%, and for millennials, 49% overall. 54% of all workers say that their retirement years will include a job of some sort. And Carl, that's something I've been seeing in the conversations I have when we're doing retirement strategy planning is it's rare anymore that I see someone leaving a career of 30, 40 years and just stopping. I see some kind of a, you know, maybe I'm dropping from full-time to three days a week, or maybe I'm doing something altogether different. 
What have you been experiencing? I mean, you're working several jobs. What is your plan for retirement? My plan is, I guess, keep on working. That's why I'm here to learn how to stop having seven jobs. But I've also had friends who wear the wife will continue part-time working maybe in the school system as the lunch lady or the bus driver or a parapro so that they can keep their insurance even after they start into retirement. So I would say my experience is exactly that, that I don't know a lot of people who like our parents or our grandparents, you got the gold watch and then you retired and that's all you did. Almost, you know, I would say that number sounds right. About one out of every two people that I know still has some, what the kids call a side hustle. They're still doing something on the side. But And there's more reasons beyond just the financial too. And this was an interesting part of the article. Many respondents, 56% noted that their reasons for wanting to continue working in retirement, including their mental well-being, while 40% said it's because they want a safety net to maybe cover things and give them a little more flexibility in retirement. So I, that's a conversation that comes up a lot anymore is when you retire and say, we're done with our career, and there's a possibility we might live 20, 30 years longer, whether we think about it or not, you gain some things when you retire. You might, you might gain some time freedom. You might gain some more flexibility, but you also lose some things. Yeah, I mean, for a large portion of your life, you're known by the job that you have. So for me, that's been, you know, magician's rabbit trainer or now head VCR tech. And if those things went away, all of a sudden you might ask some questions. Who am I now? That's right. Looking for that identity. So the good news is in all this, this year with everything going on, COVID-19, 2020, many workers have boosted their savings. Nearly 70% of participants in the retirement plans managed by Voya have increased their contributions during the pandemic. So that's good news because that's a problem I've been seeing is we're living longer and we're not saving enough. And what happens is there's a good percentage of our of the population that is running out of money too soon. Yeah, and I've even seen that with the, you know, the the uh, hustle economy with, you know, Grubhub or uh, Uber drivers. I've noticed that some of my friends, they're doing a couple of extra hours on that side job and all of that money is just for savings to increase that. When we think about that, so when I retire, what might work do? Do I, do I need part-time work? So the first question is, is there an income gap I need to fill? So maybe I could retire if I was earning $1,000 a month. I don't need to earn the five dollars or $6,000 for my career. Then, then there might be a financial reason to fill that income gap that you could actually go ahead and partially retire or step in. And then again, I think we've got to have conversations and start saying, what are those other things? Do I need an identity in retirement? Do I need to feel relevant? Do I need to feel like I'm making a contribution? And those conversations we don't want to have once we get to retirement and we realize it's a problem because whether we like it or not, there's a lot of negative things that come up. There's some depression. There's some divorce uh, scenarios that increase or spike in retirement because we're not having these conversations ahead of time. So for a lot of reasons, financial and non-financial, I, do, I continue to see that trend of people working into retirement. And I actually think it's a really good thing. Yeah. And I know you're talking about fear and anxiety. One of the other headlines I know you're going to talk about was the November elections. Nothing instills more fear and anxiety in all of us as Americans every four years than maybe the November elections. Ah! I'm getting calls almost daily, Carl. Um, concern, fear. What do I do about this election? Hmm. How do we navigate this? So I want to read an article from Paul Katzif from Investors Business Daily, How to Make Investment Bets on November Elections. Because those are a lot of the questions I'm getting. What do I do? How do I pick? So let's get right into this article. 
What are the best Trump stocks or Biden stocks for that matter? What are the best investments for the diversified portion of your portfolio devoted to mutual funds and ETFs, no matter who wins the White House in November? Some investors are struggling to predict who's going to win the upcoming elections, and they want a position for that outcome. But savvy advisors and money managers question that fact. Trying to pick political winners is futile. They say trying the crystal ball election, stocks and funds, is a waste of time. Positioning for this or any presidential election is a fool's errand, says Paul Schatz, president of Heritage Capital in Woodbridge, Connecticut. You need to get two outcomes correct. First, who wins the election? Second, how stocks will react and who will be the winners and losers? Schatz, who is also treasurer of the National Association of Active Investment Managers, says he has 70 years of election data showing playing political shifts with portfolios is senseless and potentially detrimental. It's best to stick with a long-term plan, even in an election year. That's fascinating. What do you think about that, Carl? I mean, I mean, I think a lot of times uh, I brought up that what I'm getting are questions, and I can hear it in people's voices. There is fear, legitimate fear, and that's an emotion. And what we do not want to do when we're talking about our money, we're talking about our retirement. Well, you know, in a lot of cases, this might be our life savings. And we're talking about our future, our family. We don't want to make decisions or react out of emotion. And how do we prevent that? Yeah, I mean, I see this even in the water aerobics class when, you know, anger goes up, logic goes down. And I've got friends on both sides of the aisle who are looking at this election and going, I don't really know what it's going to mean. And I think it's so brilliant, that last line, to say, it doesn't matter, just play the long-term game. And it's a call to action. So if I feel the fear, remember, emotion is our enemy because it, it tends to make us make decisions that are not mathematical and logical. And when it comes to that part of our life, making investment decisions of all things, that's all about modeling and math and things like that. So when we feel the fear... What I've found is the best way to attack fear is to step back and realize, okay, am I doing everything I can do and addressing all the things I can control? There's things out there, the economy, the election, the market. Those are all things out of our control to a large extent. But what we can control is have I stepped back? Have I, have I created a retirement strategy? that accounts for the liquidity needs I have in my portfolio, that accounts for what kind of income gaps and income I'm going to need for the next several years that I want to protect from market fluctuations. And then beyond that, we can say, okay, what portion of my overall assets can I afford to have in the market for long-term growth? And in that situation, that's money that even if the election has a negative outcome for the market purposes and we have a big correction, we're only exposed to money that we can afford to have the time frame to come back up and recover. So good. So speaking of other things that are out of control, obviously 2020 has been the land of COVID-19. And one of the articles that I had looked at, you know, I wanted to prep for my first podcast. I was excited about being on with you. I'm impressed. Yeah, one of the things I love to do is to travel, and it's been really hard during this season. Have you have you gotten to go anywhere? You know, I've I've actually been really missing uh, one of the things I did between training, education, and speaking events. Most months, I would have a, a two three day trip somewhere for something. And, and that's really been shut down. And a lot of it's because venues have been shut down this year. Yeah. And, you know, places to travel and the ways to get there. And so I, uh, I found an article on Business Insider and they talked about 
a couple of different ways to travel, even in the age of COVID. And so a couple of these were fascinating to me. So I wanted to bring them to you and the listeners. One of them was uh, doing Airbnbs. Now, obviously, this has grown in popularity over the last couple of years, but it's been amazing to see that with these, those rentals have stayed open because it's just you and your immediate family. So it's not a larger resort and other people. And so a lot of those have now uh, been open. And one of the things about Airbnb is the listings are vetted. So with like Airbnb Plus, they do more uh, vigorous cleaning protocols in response to COVID-19. And you can find out whether your listing is participating in that or not. And also they have extenuating circumstances for the cancellation policy for COVID-19. So Airbnb was great in their response to that. Um, and also vetting all of their own listings to make sure that you're really safe in the process. So taking extra steps to be, be safe. Uh, make people have a, a feeling of security to maybe, hey, it is okay to travel and go out again. And I have to say, whether it's venues, hotels, flights, there has been a lot more flexibility in things that weren't necessarily the case, such as cancellations and rescheduling that we didn't have before. So I'm glad to see that. Yeah. And another way that this is helping us move from fear to fun, right, is the second thing that they recommended was going out and seeing our national parks in like an mm-hmm. RV, so, I mean, even me this year, I, you know, started kind of looking at what it would be to buy an RV on my seven unpaid jobs. It's not really in the <laughs> cards for me uh, this year. And so I looked at rental and they even have like share programs where people who own RVs will share them out. But I thought, what a great way to see our national parks. Have you ever been to one of our national parks? You no, know, I have not. That's that's kind of a bucket list thing is I think that would be great to once once you have the time and is to go out, go park by park and see this country. Yeah. I think that's a great idea. Now, I've had some some people that we've worked with that that was a goal, and they, they've literally done that. They've bought the RV or they've rented an RV, and they make memories and experiences out of this stuff. That's amazing. So for me, you know, I've been so happy here at the community center. I haven't really ventured outside, but this has helped me to think in a different way. And then the last thing in the article that I saw them talking about was this thing called glamping. Have you heard of this? Glamping. So from what I understand... The lady of the house is more of a glamper, right? Your lady of the house. Right, Okay. Right. So so that's more like, I will go out in the woods as long as there's a four-star hotel and a pool. Yeah, that's my lane. That's where I want to okay, be. Okay, so yeah, you're yeah. more of a glamper. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So, no, no, I, w- I want the pool and the experience. Glamping is actually this weird middle between thing that I'm researching here. It's actually the idea, like maybe you did when you, if you were a Cub Scout or you went out with your family when you were younger and, you know, you put a tent up and put the little fire in the s'mores. That's a thing of the past now. They have these outdoor tents that they've put up and you could barely call them tents because they're like full-on structures with big king-size beds and they've got fire pits already set out. Some of them are so nice that they have workers who will come and start the fire for you and they'll come and deliver breakfast in the morning. And so if you're wanting to be in the great outdoors with all of the amenities of the wonderful indoors, I like that. Glamping might be an option for you. So glamping. So so speaking of travel, and again, that's one of the goals I have come up when we talk about retirement. A large percentage of retirees, that's a major goal is to travel. So Carl, if you could travel anywhere in the world and money's not an object, where would you go? Where would you take that? Man, if money's no object, sky's the limit. I'm going to like beautiful Helen, Georgia. I mean, that's it. I don't know if you've seen pictures of Helen. It's it's not far from here, but again, I haven't gotten to travel much. It's kind of like they took a little Alpine village from Germany and decided where best to put this village in the whole world. And then they said, 
North Georgia. That's the place to put it. So so that's 25 minutes away, Carl. That's where you'd go if you could go anywhere. I mean, I'm a dreamer, Bo. <laughs> I like a dreamer. It. Uh, Carl, as interesting as that is, that's all the time we have for In the News. We spend a lot of time talking about investments in the market because I think it's exciting. It's, it's up and down. It's kind of sexy. But I can tell you one thing, when it comes to how your retirement plays out, more than anything, we need to pay attention to taxes. Our guest today is best-selling author who sold over 250,000 copies of his book, The Power of Zero. He's a frequent uh, contributor to Forbes, USA Today, New York Times, and Fox Business. It's time to call our friend, David McKnight. David, welcome to the to the Retirement Resource. Great to have you on the show. Thanks, Bill. Appreciate you uh, having me on. Well, let's talk a little bit about that. I, in the intro you heard, I think something that comes up with a lot of clients, they know that taxes probably are, are one of the more important things, if not the most important thing to get right. But they, they rarely do I find them proactively addressing it. And I see them leaving money on the table. And, and I believe this has become a passion of yours and a mission of yours to, to get some concepts and teach people. Why, why is this so important? What the concept behind, especially the power of zero, um, why is this important? What do people need to know about it? Well, the historical paradigm, the conventional paradigm says, hey, put money into your 401k or IRA, get, get a deduction. And then let that money grow tax deferred. And then when you take that money out in retirement, you're going to be in a lower tax bracket. And if that actually is how everything plays out, that's mathematically the right thing to do. The problem is more and more experts and economists and uh, financial uh, analysts are starting to look at the fiscal condition of our country. Uh, we're $23 trillion of debt. We have unfunded obligations of upwards of $239 trillion. What does that mean? That means to be able to deliver on all the promises the federal government's made for Social Security, Medicare, Medicaid, interest on the national debt, uh, they'd actually have to have $239 trillion sitting in a bank account today earning treasury rates to be able to deliver on all the things that they promised that they can't, they can't afford to pay for. So uh, we're, we're marching into a future in which the, the very solvency of the federal government is being called into question. And so uh, what that does to this conventional paradigm is it flips it on its ear. Uh, can we really expect tax rates in the future to be lower than they are today, given all of the debt that we're accumulating, uh, all of the deficit spending that we, you know, we're at trillion dollar deficits by 2030, it's going to be $2 trillion deficits by 2035, it's going to be $3 trillion uh, deficits per year. And the debt is just going to go up, 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 up. Can we really realistically expect tax rates to be lower in the future. And that's really the, the, the heart and the premise of my book, The Power of Zero, is that this whole, this whole paradigm has been flipped on its ear. We now have to start to plan for higher tax rates in the future. And how do you organize all of your retirement assets so that you can wring every last bit of efficiency out of those retirement dollars given this new paradigm? Well, and so so you said it. It's not necessarily how much are in these big accounts, these 401ks and IRAs. It really comes down to how much am I going to, is my family going to get to actually use and spend? And I saw something when I was looking around um, for our interview today, and there was something fascinating. You said there, on your site, it says five years, 11 months, 23 days until taxes go up. So are you saying we might even be in a window right now where taxes just might be on sale? 
Yeah, that's exactly what I'm saying. Um, if you look at chapter six of my book, The Powers Here, I call it the tax sale of a lifetime. All of these experts have been saying for years and years and years, we need to raise revenue. Uh, we need to lower spending. But back in 2017, December 2017, the federal government did just the opposite. Uh, they ate the dessert before they ate the spinach. What they did was they basically said, let's lower taxes for everybody and let's increase the national debt at a trillion and a half dollars over the next 10 years to pull this off. So we now have this, uh, and by the way, that tax cut, because they couldn't get um, you know, full majorities in the House and Senate to, to approve it, it has an expiration date. So it's got a sunset provision, meaning January 1st, 2026, those tax rates are going to go back uh, to exactly what they were in 2017. So we now have six years uh, between now and then within which to take advantage of historically low tax rates. And every year that goes by where people fail to take advantage of those historically low tax rates is potentially a year beyond 2026 when they could be forced to pay the highest taxes they're likely to see in their lifetime. Yeah, so taxes don't seem fun when you have to pay them, but when you look at them in perspective and say, hey, I might actually be, I might have an opportunity right now in a window. And there's another issue I've seen, and I don't know if it's just representative of our client base here in Atlanta, I doubt it, but I'm seeing more and more that idea or concept. I was taught 20 years ago when I came in to this world, that same story about expenses being lower in retirement. I'm seeing more and more of a consumption model that most of the people I have conversations with retiring we're trying to create pretty much a lateral transition into retirement because they're spending what they make to, to make life work. So, so that idea, I've, I've seen it somewhat of a fallacy that, yeah, it's going to drop to 70% or some of the things you've heard in the past. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like Tom Hegna famously said, when do you do your most spending during your working years? It's Saturday. That's when you go to Home Depot. That's when you go to all these <laughs> other right. places, spend all this money. He goes, guess what? When you're in retirement, every day is a Saturday. So right. this, this, this notion that you're going to be spending less money in retirement, it's just not true. I mean, you've got two types of expenses that most people don't think about. They're what we call the aspirational expenses, which is, hey, you're going to go on that extra vacation. You're going to take all the grandkids to Disney World. And then you've got the shock expenses. These are healthcare expenses, long-term care expenses. You got to fix the roof. You got to get a new car. All these things that you don't anticipate, these buffer account type of expenses. And uh, all the studies are showing that people are spending much more money in retirement than they ever uh, even dreamed possible. Right. Now, somebody out there listening, um, nodding their head, saying, yep, yeah, the taxes are the big thing. David, you know something. You have something. Where do we start with this, this, uh, this journey? I doubt it's a set it and forget it proposition. And it's probably going to take some work over time and some diligent effort. But where do we start? And what's this process of, of that very intriguing sounding idea of working toward a 0% tax bracket? Well, there's a couple of different steps that you got to go through. Number one, you've got to recognize that tax rates in the future are going to be higher than they are today. Um, if you don't believe me, uh, read chapter one of my book, or you can uh, check out my movie, The Power of Zero, The Tax Train is Coming. What we did is we interviewed all of the experts all across the country that know the most about the national debt uh, as it relates to the future of tax rates. And it's about a 75-minute presentation, uh, a documentary that you can see on iTunes or uh, YouTube or, 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 or stream from Amazon. And these are, these are really famous people. I mean, former Secretary of State George Schultz, uh, Governor of Utah, David Walker, former Comptroller General of the Federal Government, Larry Kotlikoff, foremost expert in the country on fiscal gap accounting. And they're all sort of weighing in on what they think is going to happen to tax rates in the future. And they're all agreeing that tax rates, even in the next 10 years, are going to have to be dramatically higher than they are today just to keep us out of bankruptcy. So that's the first step. 
You got to recognize that tax rates are going to be higher in the future. The second step is to recognize that in a rising tax rate environment, there's an ideal amount of money to have in each of your three different types of buckets. We've got the taxable bucket. These are your liquid savings. Uh, you got your tax deferred bucket, 401ks, IRAs, 403bs, TSPs, so on and so forth. Then you got your tax-free bucket. These are your uh, uh, Roth IRA, uh, Roth conversion, Roth 401ks, and certain types of properly funded life insurance programs. So in a rising tax rate environment, you should have a minimal amount of money in these first two buckets. In your taxable bucket, you should really only have about six months worth of basic living expenses. In your tax-deferred bucket, you want balances to be low enough that when you have have to start taking required minimum distributions at age 72, that those required minimum distributions are low enough that they get offset by your standard deduction in retirement, but also low enough that they don't cost Social Security taxation. Really, everything above and beyond those ideal amounts should be systematically repositioned to tax-free. Uh, you don't do it all at once. You stretch that tax liability out uh, over uh, as many years as is necessary to get all the heavy lifting done, but you want to get it done before tax rates go up for good. So that's really, I got six years or less to get all this heavy lifting done, uh, get money shifted to tax-free by way of Roth conversions and things like that. And I can just imagine people listening to this, and that sounds great, but how is that something that you do or people you train can help exactly get into, hey, out of my million-dollar overall portfolio, where do those ratios need to be exactly? Is that is that planning that can be done with people that are trained in this? Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you if you don't have a pension, I can tell you right now, if you don't have any pension or any other residual streams of income coming out of your tax-deferred bucket, uh, you shouldn't really have more than, if you're a married couple, more than about $350,000 in that bucket. So if you've got a million dollars, you've really got six years to get that bucket skinny down to about $350,000. You want to have everything else safely ensconced in your tax-free bucket by the time January 1st, 2026 rolls around. Well, let's talk about too, David, what what doing this work. And that's what I find is most people, when it comes to planning, they're very passive and very reactive. And this is this is yearly. Hey, yearly, if I'll be diligent for this period of time I have, it can make a difference. And in cases we've modeled hundreds of thousands of dollars of, of difference of money they get to use and spend. But let's talk a little bit about what's so important. You know, I, what comes to mind for me is how this impacts, this strategy impacts provisional income and how it affects um, things like RMDs that, again, I see people not addressing those things until they're happening to them and it's too late to really do anything about it. Yeah, most people don't recognize that your social security can be taxed and, and they don't even know what the phrase provisional income is. I, I gave a, a talk to 100 CPAs a couple of years ago. I said, how many of you guys have heard of the phrase provisional income? Only two hands in the room went up, which wow. is scary because what's provisional income? That's the income the IRS keeps track of to determine if they're going to tax your social security. I found that if you have too much provisional income and, and for married couples, uh, we're talking 44,000 for single people, it's 34,000 and up to 85% of your social security can, can become taxable to you at your highest marginal tax bracket. Uh, to put that into perspective for you, I've done studies on this on hundreds of clients uh, over the years. And what I found is on average, when your social security gets taxed, you can, you're going to run out of money five to seven years faster than people who do not have their social security tax. Why? Because the act of compensating mm. Social security taxation forces you to spend down all your other assets that much faster. So it's a really, really big deal. Uh, most people don't understand what causes social security taxation, um, but they are spending down all of their other assets to compensate for it. So the whole idea here is that if you can take that five to $6,000 you would have otherwise given back to the IRS 
in the form of social security taxation. You can keep it inside of your portfolio and grow and grow and compound it over the balance of your retirement. Guess what? Your retirement dollars are going to last longer. Look at that. Yeah, your savings actually, I see that as stretching. And one of the one of the, this just happened last week, David. I had a guy come in. He's very frustrated. He he saved well and he's almost being punished for it, he feels like. He is being hit up yearly with a with a mid-six-figure RMD from a from a really big 401k. And all he wants to do is leave that to his kids. But right. he's, he's he feels I'm forced to take it. I'm forced to take it whether the market's down or up. And so I think let's talk about the power because again I, I don't think people realize some of the things that can be forced later. Now now luckily um, we have a little bit of an extension for some people to 72 maybe to get some of this planning done. But let's talk about the power of planning for RMDs and again not just waiting till they happen to you. What what we're generally asking people to do is something that goes against their most natural impulses. <laughs> and that's to pay a tax before the IRS absolutely requires it of you. As of right now, as of January 1st, 2020, you, they're not requiring you to pay tax on that money until age 72. The question is, does that really make sense? Uh, and for most people, it makes sense to look at preemptively paying some tax on those dollars on your terms so that you're not having to pay tax on those assets on the IRS's terms at age 72. And if you're age 62 right now and, and you're not planning on taking that money till age 72, guess what? That's 10 years from now. And most experts agree that tax rates are going to be dramatically higher than they are today, 10 years from now. That's if our country's even still, <laughs> still solvent by that point. And, and not to mention, Bo, what happens if you leave a large amount of money in your IRA or 401k and you want your kids to inherit it? They're going to have to spend that money down right. within 10 years based on the new Secure Act that got voted into uh, law in December. So, what is what are the implications of that? That means you're going to have to, uh, your kids are going to have to pay tax on those dollars, probably at the apex of their earning years, when tax rates are likely to be much higher than they are today, at a period in time when they can least afford to pay the tax. And now uh, they can no longer do a, a, a stretch Roth or stretch IRA. So they're going to be forced to pay taxes on that in 10 years. All of that taxation is going to be squeezed in the 10 years. It won't be unusual, though, for a lot of, a, a, a lot of Americans who inherit these accounts to pay upwards of 50% on these accounts. I think this is a massive cash grab by the IRS. And unless people are actively taking advantage of today's historically low tax rates to get money shifted to tax-free vehicles, it's going to be a real bloodbath on the back end. Right. And and we'll see it later. That's one of those things that the change today doesn't it we we see the doing away with the stretch IRA. Yeah, that but but we're gonna see the impact. I, I think you're right, down the road of people literally getting caught having to take this money out in this really concise window. David, one of the things I, I was as we were talking about this, you you talked about it's against our nature to to pay any more tax than we have to in a given year. It makes me think of a lot of the tax professionals, CPAs that I've worked with. A lot of those people, that's their focus too, is how do I minimize tax this year? So it makes me wonder, do you, do you see pushback from some of these people that they're just so focused on this year and they're not looking at the 20, 30-year horizon, um, even from tax professionals that people might trust? Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, the paradigm that most CPAs work in is uh, if they want to keep you as a client, they got to give you a tax refund. Most people judge their CPA based on whether they got a tax refund or not. So basically... If you have a CPA that comes along and says, hey, uh, keeping my clients happy uh, you know, is, is determined by how much I'm saving them in taxes this year, this whole paradigm is going to be 
uh, sort of repellent to the way they approach things. And so we, we talk with CPAs, we give them copies of my book, uh, we do it all the time. And we're basically trying to affect a paradigm shift in a whole generation of CPAs basically says, hey, look, let's take a look at the handwriting on the wall. Let's take a look at the fiscal condition of our country. Are tax rates 10 years from now really going to be lower than they are today? And if not, why are we continuing to urge 78 million baby boomers to take deductions today at historically low tax rates only to postpone the payment of those taxes till some point much further down the road? It just doesn't make sense given the trajectory of tax rates. So uh, CPAs uh, typically are in the reporting business. At the end of the year, you shove your, your receipts across the table and he tells you how much you owe. And what we're trying to do is we're trying to affect this paradigm shift that says, let's take a look at what your tax liability would be five, seven, 10 years from now if you don't change anything today. And are there some strategies we can implement today that are going to put you in a better position to save tax rates or save money on taxes somewhere down the road? And we can almost flip that because I was, as, as we were bringing this discussion up, and I want to include financial advisors in this discussion, the CPA. Are there a, a question or two or three that you think that um, would be good for listeners to say, hey, why don't you ask this to your professional to see if they're the right fit for helping you really with this long-term planning versus this very short-term focused, may, maybe the old model of, of what we call retirement planning. Any things that you could do say, hey, why don't you show up next time or interview people and maybe ask this question or two that might give you a good hint if they're thinking long-term best results or they're just very short-term old school thinking? Well, that's, that's pretty easy to do. They can either read my book or watch my movie, or they can even read an article written by David Walker uh, that he wrote 10 years ago. David Walker was the former Comptroller General of the federal government, knows more about these numbers than anyone else on the planet. And back in 2011, he wrote a CNN op-ed that said, tax rates are going to have to double, okay? So <laughs> if tax rates are going to have to double, one very easy question that you could ask your advisor is, if tax rates are going to double, why do I have 100% on my retirement account in an account where I haven't paid taxes yet? Why am I postponing the payment of these taxes until tax rates double sometimes down the road? And so what I, what I tell people all the time, say, look, if your advisor hasn't told you about this, it's for one of two reasons. Either he or she doesn't know about it or he or she knows about it, but they're not telling you about it. And I don't know, frankly, Bo, which one is worse. Right. Right. Yeah. And that's, yeah, I see that in a lot of, a lot of areas, whether it's social security strategy, a lot of these is that crucial information is left out either, either because our industry is failing because they're not trained or unfortunately they're, they're not they're not figuring out a way to be compensated by it. So they just don't bother. And that's a shame. Well, let's think, so, so that's, that's some good questions. So we're talking about most people get to the table to start doing planning and strategy with 401ks, IRAs, not good or bad. Those are just the vehicles they have to accumulate in a lot of cases over time. Um, but, but how do we start shifting the mindset? Or I guess a better question, David, is what are some of the tools we're starting to, to look at as we talk about transitioning and converting to these more favorable tax buckets? Yeah, I, I, I tell people all the time, you, there isn't any one tool that you're going to use to get to the 0% tax bracket. By, by the way, why, do I, why am I such a big fan of the 0% tax bracket? Well, if tax rates double, like a lot of these experts are predicting, uh, then two times zero is still zero. Uh, <laughs> if, you're in the, if you're in the 0% tax bracket, then tax rates double, two times zero is still zero. So the only way to really insulate yourself from the impact of higher taxes is to get to the 0% tax bracket. And to get to the 0% tax bracket usually requires 
four to six different streams of tax-free income, none of which show up on the IRS's radar, but all of which contribute to you being in the 0% tax bracket. Anything with the word Roth in front of it, I'm a huge fan. Could be a Roth, a traditional Roth IRA, the one where if you're over age 50, you can contribute 7,000 per year. Uh, It could be a Roth 401k, uh, where you get that free money from work. We love those. Uh, Roth conversions, those are going to be, that's going to be your real big workhorse in getting uh, hundreds of thousands of dollars shifted from tax deferred to tax free. Uh, I talk about in chapter five of my book, the life insurance retirement plan, which is excellent. It's tax-free. The money grows safely and productively. And you get a death benefit that doubles as long-term care. I'll tell you, Bo, this is one huge thing that people overlook is how they're going to pay for long-term care. I mean, if you uh, end up in a long-term care facility, the community spouse, the surviving spouse gets to keep one house, one car, uh, about $128,000 of cash and a minimum monthly maintenance needs of allowance allowance, which in most states is about $2,500 a month, everything else gets earmarked for the long-term care facility. Uh, What I found is that people aren't opposed to having long-term care insurance, they're just opposed to paying for it. What the LIRP allows you to do is to, uh, you are paying for a death benefit uh, in that program, but the death benefit doubles as long-term care. So if you die peaceful in your sleep 30 years from now, never have any uh, long-term care, Someone's still getting a death benefit. And then you get to use all that tax-free cash value in the meantime to supplement your lifestyle needs uh, tax-free at a period in time when tax rates are likely to be higher than they are today. Uh, Also, if through the Roth conversion, we can get the balances in your IRAs and 401ks low enough, you can use your standard deduction to offset the RMDs that are coming out of there so your RMDs can be tax-free. And guess what? If by using all of these different streams of tax-free income, it can keep you below your provisional income thresholds, then your social security can be tax-free as well. If tax rates double by 2030, and there's a lot of experts out there that are predicting that tax rates could have to double by 2030. In fact, that seems to be the general conclusion of the experts in my movie is that tax rates will have to rise dramatically, if not double by 2030. Uh, Tom McClintock, a congressman out of Sacramento, uh, he's on the Republican Budget Committee in Congress. He says, look, in eight years, we're going to be Venezuela. So this is serious, serious stuff. The federal government's not addressing it. They love to uh, wait until the 11th hour to do anything about it. I remember I was, I was um, Bo, if you remember from the debt, the, when they were increasing the debt ceiling back in like 2015 or 2016, uh, they convened a committee and, and they really couldn't figure out what they wanted to do. And I remember watching CNN saying, we will, you know, there's a, a little, little sign on the upward left-hand corner of the screen or CNN was saying, we default on our debt in 30 minutes. So nope. <laughs> that tells us that we love painting ourselves into a corner. We love procrastinating. We love kicking down the can down the road. The problem with this approach is the fix on the back end is going to be all the more draconian. It's going to be all the more severe. It means we're likely going to have to pay much more taxes uh, then than we would if they simply put a permanent fix in place today. Wow. Well, David, that's as as we're talking through this. One of the things I'm thinking, I, I'm always trying to put myself in the uh, the listener out there listening to this conversation, and, and I'm thinking, hey, this sounds good. This sounds like the the right thing to do to work on this. We have a window. I love the idea of reducing taxes. I haven't met one person in a room. I'll ask every month when we do different kinds of workshops around Atlanta. I'll ask, I'll ask, hey, who in here doesn't want to reduce taxes as much as possible? I haven't found one person yet that didn't raise their hand, right? I mean, that's as soon as something unique or something different than conventional advice comes along, like we're talking about with the power of zero, there's going to be naysayers or things out there that confront what we're talking about. 
Are there things, are there a few things that you've come up against that are the biggest things that people have that they try to, I guess, confront this strategy with or push back? Yeah, there's a, um, there's a financial guru out there called the White Coat Investor. Mm-hmm. And um, he read my book about five years ago. And he, he said, look, why, why would you advocate that tax rates in the future are going to be higher than they are today? He goes, we're just going to go back to 70s style inflation and we'll print our way out of it. The problem with that approach, I told him as I, as I responded to his blog post, as I says, uh, Social Security, Medicare, and Medicaid are all tied to inflation. So if you try to print your way out of the problem, uh, that increases, that inflation goes up, and that increases the cost of these programs commensurately. So there's, it's literally mathematically impossible to print your way out of it. Uh, and, and so we sort of came to a stalemate on that. And finally, uh, just recently, I was uh, following him on Twitter, and he was looking at Joe Biden's uh, tax proposal, which was to raise the top marginal tax rate to 50%. And he goes, if Joe Biden gets elected, he goes, I'm going to convert my entire Roth, <laughs> my entire IRA to Roth IRAs all in one year. And I put a, I put a little um, little comment on his post that said, glad to see you're uh, coming around. And um, he, he blocked me for saying that. But I, I think that we're starting to run out of critics here. I mean, the more uh, the debt grows. The more the handwriting becomes clear on the wall, the fewer, uh, op- the less opposition we have to this whole paradigm. And I think that it's going to prove to be very prophetic when 2030 rolls around and tax rates have to double or or rise dramatically to keep us out of the poorhouse. I think more and more people are going to start to jump on this bandwagon and say, hey, look, the math doesn't lie. Right. Tax rates have to go up or we go broke as a country. Therefore, I need to change my entire approach to retirement planning. Well, and David, I think as a country too, as as the, the consumer, I think we need to do a better job of understanding why we believe things are safe things. I can't tell you how many times we've had conversations when somebody comes in and says, well, well I don't like that. And I'll ask, okay, well, why? Well, it's my favorite is like my neighbor or coworker said, said it's bad. Or, you know, a talking head, radio personality, or, or somebody, you know, a blogger or something. But there's nothing deeper than that. And, and that's what I challenge our listeners to is let, let's go a little deeper. Let's look at the math. The math will usually show the path, right? I mean, that'll let us know um, how, we, how we can model and compare option A to option B to option C, because I think a lot of people fall short where I just heard it's bad, so I'm not going to go down that path. Right. And, and, and we're, we're the same with all our clients that we're not going to make a recommendation unless we can show some mathematical corroboration for everything that we do. And so we always run three, three projections. Hey, Look, this is if this is if this is what you do. If you never met me and you kept on doing exactly what you're doing, tax rates stay about where they are today. Uh, when will your money run out? We can show you the year and the day which your money runs out. Then we'll run a second comparison that says if you don't change anything about what you're doing and tax rates double, how much sooner will your money run out? And plot spoiler here: it's about twelve to fifteen years faster. And uh, a third comparison says, hey, if we can get you at the at or near the zero percent tax bracket, get your social security tax free. How much longer will your money last? And guess what? If your money lasts five to seven years longer, there's really no downside to that. You know, five to seven years longer than the scenario then where you just keep on doing what you're doing and you pay tax on your social security. So uh, there's really no downside to doing this. I mean, tax rates have to go down in the future for this to really not make sense. And I don't think there's anybody out there that thinks that's going to happen. 
Yeah, and I, I think I think you're right. I think the focus, and again, I'm, I'm thinking of the the listener today. Um, I think we need to shift the focus to taxes. I think again, I talk about all the ways. It's funny being in this industry. I'm constantly talking about the way ways this in, our industry has failed the consumer. Is that that focus on investments? They're so much sexier and they're funner to talk about, and, and they're easier to market. But man, I think it really is going to come down mainly to taxes, and and that's why I'm so, such a big fan of your work, and that's actually getting to use the money, as much money as possible, actually getting to use it, right, in retirement. So David, some out there listening to, hey, I want some of that. I love the idea. The, my, my person I'm talking to at ABC Brokerage isn't talking about tax strategy. They put me in, in this product or that product, and that was the extent of the strategy and the planning. Uh, we talked about some questions they could ask their team, but is there any other way to plug in if they say, I want specifically the kind of, of work and planning that David's talking about doing? Any, any advice there? Well, I mean, if they if they want to uh, adopt a what I call a power of zero approach to retirement planning, they've got to find uh, someone who's been down that road before that's a seasoned hand that isn't doing this for the first time. Because guess what? If if the numbers show that you can spend an extra two million dollars in retirement by accumulating the right amount of dollars in the right types of accounts. And the person who's helping you with this, this is the first time they've ever done it, and you're their guinea pig. What's the likelihood that they're going to get it right? So it's so important that you find someone who has been down this road before that has helped people achieve these types of tax savings that can do a before and after comparison that can show you the math behind it. Uh, math uh, has got a you know, we, we love to, ta- to attach a price tag to an action. You don't have to get to the 0% tax bracket. But if you don't get to the 0% tax bracket, here's the cost if, you, if tax rates stay level and here's the cost of tax rates double. And those numbers are never pretty. Well, so, well, again, another step. So to learn more. So I, I think everybody listening needs to go to Amazon or, or unless you have another site you want them to go to, get the Power of Zero book. Right. And in and, yep. and, and the, and the movie too, we can find that same kind of places. Yep. So the movie uh, can be found on Amazon. It can be streamed on YouTube. It can be streamed on iTunes. Pretty much wherever you stream movies, you can watch the movie. I recommend you watch the movie. I recommend you read The Power of Zero. And just to let your listeners know, there's going to be a follow-up to The Power of Zero coming through Penguin Random House in uh, February of 2021. So that's exciting. It's going to be the sequel to The Power of Zero. It's called Tax-Free Income for Life. Uh, so that'll be uh, coming to bookstores near you about a year from now. Excellent. Again, check out those books. I, I often tell listeners, participants that, hey, the government's never going to call you up and say, hey, you know what? If you did this, this, and this, you could get more money back or you could you could get a better return here or there. It's really our responsibility to be proactive and take the steps. And this is the kind of stuff, educating yourself, reading these books, listening to this information. This is how we're going to, to best take care of ourselves, our family, and our retirement. And, and David, I just want to thank you for the work you're doing, for good data-backed mathematical information that's beyond that 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 surface level of this is good, this is bad, maybe just to sell a point of view. Yeah, you're welcome. It's it's what I do. I'm very passionate about it. I think that we've got 78 million Americans uh, who are baby boomers who are either retired or getting ready to retire. And my job, I feel like, is to raise the warning cry and to raise awareness about uh, the future of tax rates and how you can best position yourself to wring every last bit of tax efficiency out of your retirement nest egg. And, and now that you've been on the retirement resource, you are now an official authority 
on the retirement resource for our listeners. So anytime oh, there's nice. updates, the next book comes out, let me know and we'll make sure we get the good word, word out. And again, I thank you so much for being an expert guest on the retirement resource, David. Hey, it was an honor and a pleasure. Thank you, Bo. Appreciate it. Man, I love that song. It makes me feel so good. And you know, Bo, when I feel good, I like to go to the mailbag. Let's go to the mailbag. Let's do it. All right, this week we actually saw online, somebody had commented and, and shared this with us. Bo Henderson has written a fantastic book titled Customized Social Security. His writing style is easy to follow and the book's contents are incredibly helpful in navigating the social security system. Anyone approaching retirement would be wise to read the book and the sooner the better. What an amazing review. And Bo, it actually comes around what actually ends up in our mailbag quite a lot, which is this question of when should I take Social Security? Oh, yeah. And that's a question we get all the time. And that's a class uh, around uh, Metro Atlanta here, North Georgia. I've taught a class on how to optimize your Social Security claiming strategy over 200 times now. And the problem is, for most people in this country, Social Security is more than 40% of their retirement income. And for a lot of people, it's a lot more than that. Wow. Now, the issue is that less than 4% of people claim their optimum Social Security strategy. A survey was done just recently, meaning 96% of people aren't getting as much money as they're possibly entitled to from the Social Security system. Now, what kind of money are we talking about? When you said the optimum amount, are we talking about, well, I could have gotten another $10 over the course of my retirement? No, no, the average for the average family is to the tune of $111,000 of additional benefit potentially left on the table. I fell out my chair. $111,000? Right. And what comes up too is... You know, it's amazing how many potential ways there are to claim your Social Security strategy, Carl. There's over 500 potential combinations of ways to claim that strategy. So it's not one of this, I'll do it at 62 for retirement age or 70. It's much more complex than that. And unfortunately, a lot of time I find that decision made without a lot of thought, without a lot of modeling. And by modeling, I mean, let's compare. How does this option, if I claim it at 62, how does that compare to if I claim it at 66? Or if I'm in a position, I claim it to 70. Uh, so we really want to see and compare and look at it mathematically. I call, It's called modeling, right? We're, we're looking out in the future to see how things work out. And it's different for every situation. Everybody, every household has different variables. There's different, there's different uh, assets. There's different expenses. There's pensions in some cases. And, and all those things have to come together to find out what is the optimum strategy for you in your household. So it's one of those things, it's like a little extra time on the front end can be literally worth hundreds of thousands of dollars on the back end. That's amazing. So if I'm somebody who's just heard you and I've had my mind blown because there's $111,000 that might be wrong in my plan and I'm looking going, hold on, there's not a one size fits all because there's 500 different possibilities. What should be my first step in making sure I don't make a $100,000 mistake? Here's the deal. It's we've got to take 100% responsibility for our retirement. We have to be proactive participants, and Social Security is one of these areas. So what I recommend is 
Go uh, go to Amazon, look for some books. Some of you, when I, when we read your questions on the air from the mailbag, I'm going to send you that customized social security book. Research, uh, go to classes. And if you see classes in your community, especially educational classes that are teaching how this works, you want to know if this applies to me, what are the rules when it comes to my benefits, spousal benefits if you're a couple, uh, survivor benefits for when a spouse dies, how does that work, ex-spouse benefits. There's a whole... Com- a whole lot of, of combinations of how this thing can play out. And what we want to do, Carl, it's like we talked about in a lot of these situations, is we want to have a plan before it happens. Because what happens is we, if we're being passive and reactive, we wait till retirement happens to us or life happens to us, and then we're forced to make decisions and scramble to try to figure it out. I'm very pro proactive retirement planning. Well, between the show, between the headlines and the interview and the mailbag, My head is full and swimming of new financial resource information. I don't know what to do with it all. Well, what you're experiencing, and you're going within a year of us doing this show, we're raising your retirement IQ. And that's what I hope to do. It can only go up. (laughs) That's right. But you know, we have a lot of fun. We've joked around, we've played, we've had a lot of fun, but I'm very serious about us giving good information and giving good resources, tips, and you're going to see some of the top experts in these areas and things we're looking to, to help us successfully navigate retirement. So what I want to do, this mailbag section, if you're listening, you say, oh, that was interesting. That that kind of maybe brought up a couple more things I have questions about. Send your questions about retirement, whether it's navigating retirement when it comes to money and your financial planning, whether it's travel like we talked about, whether it's health and retirement, relationships, nothing's off limits here on the retirement resource. And if it's something we can't answer right here, I'm going to bring on the top expert in that area that can answer it for us. And that's my commitment to you to truly be a resource for you to successfully navigate retirement. Well, and and now I've got to earn the Chick-fil-A biscuit that I get paid in for being on the show today by reminding you, our new friends, to like and subscribe. So you can like us on Facebook and you just go to facebook.com forward slash retirement resource. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash retirement resource. And then you can also subscribe to the podcast. And on Facebook, be sure to leave us uh, questions, notes, things you'd like to be a part of the show, because that's how we keep on coming back to this beautiful Rose Creek Community Center to do what we're doing here on the podcast. Yeah. And one last thing as we wrap up, if this was relevant and this was something that was enjoyable, share it with a friend. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Right. I'll, I'll be sharing with Miss Denise right now. I like it. See you guys next week. Oh, hold on. Oh, man. What happened? I don't know if you can... Art's knocking at the door again. What is that? He's been asking ever since I re, I reserved the room if if he could tell you one of his jokes. Don't oh, let him... Don't let he him wants tell. to be on the air? He wants to be on the air and he wants to tell you one of his jokes. They're terrible. Oh, come on. It might be funny. It might help smooth over this relationship. Let him in. Come on. Okay. All right, Art. Go ahead. Come on in. What's your joke, Art? What you got? How do you make holy water? You boil the hell out of it. (laughs) See, it told you terrible. Well, uh, it had potential. It wasn't that bad. (laughs) All right, Art. All right. Well, I got to go. I've got to set up the VCR. uh, I think they're showing Shawshank Redemption for the 11th time. So I got to. That sounds like a plan. Well, Carl, I had a blast. Thank you for David McKnight, uh, our guest, our people that called in, sent questions through Facebook, and we'll see you next week. Same time, same place, right here at Rose Creek Community Center. 
on the Retirement Resource Show. The Retirement Resource Show is for entertainment purposes only. If you could call it entertainment, that Carl is the worst. The content represents the thoughts and opinions of Bo Henderson and guests of the show. If I'm being honest, I really think I should be the co-host. <sighs> Before making any financial, tax, or legal decisions, consult with qualified professionals. Jeez, that was a pain. I'm out. <laughs>